So I had an interesting conversation this weekend that reminded me of the importance of knowing the Word of God. And this discussion was over a particular theological topic, and I will, uh, I'll let you in on it in a moment. But here's, here's the broader picture. Uh, after 2,000 years of church history, we should be thankful for the amount of, of teaching that, uh, that men have done. We have resources. We have books. We have the writings of men who have spent their lives seeking to know the Word and to teach the Word. And that is wonderful. We have a rich heritage of Christian theology and Christian teaching. There is a, a potential downside of that, or at least a danger, and that is we can so easily be uh, caught up in the writings of men and our theological traditions and gravitate towards certain truths that uh, may be true, may be mostly true, uh, and now read the Bible, first of all, less, read it, spend less time reading the Bible than we read the words of men. But now we, we have these, these presuppositions, these filters, these grids, the, we hold on to these things. And then when we come to a biblical passage that seems to teach something different, now we, we try to force that biblical passage into this, uh, this conclusion we've already come to. And that's dangerous. Now, in this particular conversation I was having, the topic was resting in the finished work of Christ. When we think about how to be right with God, we must rest in the finished work of Christ. We, we talked about this last week in Philippians 3, right? Our, our justification before God, his, as the judge, his declaring us righteous is only going to happen if we are found in Christ. So we rest in the finished work of Christ. We rest in what he accomplished on the cross. And we don't want to let ourselves get into the mindset of thinking, I can achieve a level of righteousness where I will be declared right before God by my own works. So we, we know that if we know the gospel and, and we have that religious heritage that has been taught so well over the years, we know that is true. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It is easy. It is light because he's done the work for us. On the other hand, we can now so uh, be caught up in that truth that when we come to texts that talk about our own striving for anything, we actually downplay that and say, no, don't ever strive for anything other than to rest in Christ. Or we can go back and, uh, and, and look at something in our past, such as our baptism or our uh, religious tradition or the night that we prayed the sinner's prayer or asked Jesus into our heart or whatever, those kinds of things that, uh, that we were, you know, tradition we were brought up in and say, hey, I know I'm good. I'm a Christian because I'm resting in Christ because I did this thing back when I was younger. That is not the way the Bible describes a Christian. And when we come to a passage like we see today, if we are looking backward to something we did or experience we had or a tradition we come from, 
it can cause all kinds of struggles in our mind as we come to a text like we will look at today. So we're going to dive into Philippians chapter three. Glad you're with us. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Keith and Martha and Chris and Jenny and Carol and Jenny Bates. Martha, uh, you meant Burr. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, she put beer cold. Well, that's the right way to drink beer, right? And But she meant Burr cold. So good morning, everyone. Glad you're with us. If you are new, my name is Doug and I'm the president of Cross to Crown Ministries and New Covenant School of Theology. And we gather here Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, and we dive into God's Word. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Hope you had a great weekend. I hope you had a great Lord's Day celebrating uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus and being edified and uh, fellowshipping with the saints. And uh, hope you're ready for another week of pursuing Christ and knowing His Word. Uh, today's a good day. It's a really good day. Because Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, He made this day. And don't let any voice, don't let any circumstance, don't let anything persuade you otherwise. Today is a good day. Doesn't mean it's easy, doesn't mean everything's pleasant, doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. But if you're in Christ, today is a good day. So rejoice and be glad in this day. So let's pick up Philippians chapter 3 and... We're in verse 12, and it says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. So let's step back and think back to what we have already seen thus far in Philippians, uh, in, in chapter 3 in the, in the recent context here. Paul said, I want to know the Messiah. I want to know Christ, everything else in his life. He puts it over in the lost column. Remember, he's using accounting terms. He says over here is profit or gain, and over here is loss, things that detract from my wealth. And he looks back at his entire religious experience before Christ, and then he, and he says that's all in the lost column. And then he says, actually, I look at everything in my past, and I put it over here in the lost column. The only thing in the wealth column, in the, in the profit or gain column for Paul, is knowing the Messiah. And he names him, knowing Christ, my Lord, Jesus, my Lord. But then he makes sure to explain what that looks like. He's not simply talking about a sentimental relationship. It is a relationship to be sure. But it's not just a sentiment. He just doesn't want to know Jesus more in his heart and, and have some feeling or experience of Jesus. This is the kind of thing we hear all the time. We hear it in our, in our corporate worship services. Think back to yesterday morning, assuming that you went to a worship service. Were you, were you basically told, you know, what we're after here is to know Jesus in our heart and, and sing songs that make us feel good? Or have this, uh, this service that makes us feel something, whether it's through sacraments and liturgy or, or whatever, and it's, it's about just this, this heartfelt thing. Well, that's not what Paul meant by knowing Christ. No, what he said is, I want to be found in Christ so that I have a righteousness that's not my own, but it's a righteousness that comes through faith in the Messiah. And then he says, and this is the part that, uh, that was pretty, uh, pretty sobering, if you remember, when we looked at it. He says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. 
Now remember we talked, that means the resurrection power for holiness. He wants to be done with his sin and be holy. And he can grow in holiness because the same power that he uses here, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in him. And he wants to know that. And the fellowship, the partnership of the sufferings of Christ. He wants to suffer with Christ and learn from that and be a participant in that. All of the sufferings and afflictions that come with living this life where we are weak and where there's opposition to following Christ, he wants to know those things and actually engage them and participate. And he says he wants to be conformed to the image of the death of Christ. You see how this is not simply, oh, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and life is good, life is easy, and I'm just going to do whatever I want to do because I know I'm going to heaven. It's not simply experiencing or having a sentimental relationship with Christ. No, he wants to dig in, be conformed to his death, die daily to sin and selfish things, and pursue Christ so that, he says, verse 11, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And we talked about this Friday. What we're waiting for is not just dying going to heaven, but to be raised again in the new heavens and new earth. And he is after this. Well, Paul's been doing this by the time we get here to Philippians. He's been doing this for at least 20 years. He's known Christ for at least 20 years, probably closer to 30. Now think about that. Three decades of being a Christian. And this is a man who knows Christ well. He has, he has seen Jesus face to face at least twice. We know that day that he was converted on the road to Damascus. The Lord met him there, spoke to him. He actually heard the voice of Jesus. And then there's at least one other time that he talks about where he was discouraged and he was down and the Lord appeared to him and said, don't worry, for the, for the next while, uh, you're not going to be persecuted. You're not going to be uh, under constant duress. So at least those times. And then if you remember when he wrote to the Corinthians in the second letter that we have, he says, I saw visions of God that were so great so beyond what, I can't even put them into words, he said, and I'm not permitted to speak them to you. So he said, I saw into the third heaven. He saw things, he experienced things, revelations that, that almost no one else sees. And he was used by God to perform great miracles and we, remember, when he came to Christ, we, we talked about this. Um, as a Jew, he had already experienced uh, a tremendous learning. He had the equivalent, equivalent of what we would call you know, three or four PhDs in theology. And he had all of the Jewish privilege you could possibly have. And he was zealous, so he'd experienced everything religiously and academically. And here he is when he writes this letter to the Philippians. He had experienced things of Jesus and learning beyond what any of us will experience in this life. And he was all of that learning that he had, he was applying to understanding 
Christ. And, you know, he'd already written several epistles, these letters that now would become part of the scripture, part of the, the Bible. So Paul has had this amazing life, almost three decades of knowing Jesus intellectually and experientially in, in ways that we would just long for, right? And here's his, his statement in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained my goal or have already become perfect, meaning I haven't achieved what I'm after. I haven't reached the finish line. If the Apostle Paul at this stage in his life has not obtained what he's after and has not achieved his goal or his finish line, then you and I had better not become complacent, right? Are you stagnant? Are you stagnant in your pursuit of knowing Christ and attaining to the resurrection? I mean, this is, this is a challenge. This is humbling to me. Uh, are, is, does your theology teach you to rest in Christ and look to your tradition, your baptism, your, your experience someday? Did, did your tradition teach you to look back at those things and think, hey, I'm a believer. Yep, I'm a believer. So uh, I don't, I don't want to try too hard to accomplish anything for Christ. I don't, I don't want to I don't want to get caught up in works and good works, that kind of thing, such that you have become complacent in your pursuit of knowing Christ? If so, you're not following the Apostle Paul's example. I don't think anybody listening to me, and I know this is not true for me, I don't think any of us have had anything like the experience and success that Paul has had. And he says, I have not already obtained what I'm after. I have not reached the finish line. I press on, he says. This is a very, very active word. It means to pursue. It can mean, in the negative sense, it can mean to persecute. Think of a dog chasing a car or chasing a rabbit. You've you've seen that. Maybe your own. Maybe you have a dog and you've seen this uh, firsthand. If not, you've seen someone else's dog. Man, when they lock in on a on a rabbit or a squirrel or something they want or a, or another dog on the other side of the fence, right? They're growling. They're barking. They're digging in the dirt. They're they're running back and forth trying to find some gap in the fence, some some way to get after that that critter, that that pri- prize, that prey it wants. And they're zealous. And you have to, if, you're, if you have them on a leash and you're walking your dog, for instance, you have to yank them hard to get them away from it. It's that kind of pursuit that Paul says, I have not already obtained. I have not already become perfect or reached the finish line. I am in hot pursuit so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. In the Greek here, Paul uses this word uh, to obtain, and then he adds a preposition to it that intensifies it, uh, to seize it, to grasp it. I am trying to grasp that for which Christ grasped me. So on the day of his conversion, Paul was, was pursuing Christians 
He was seeking to to persecute Christians, to uh, to cause them harm for their devotion to Christ. And on that day, Jesus Christ grabbed hold of, G- of Paul. Remember, we talked about this. And he confronted Paul and said, Paul, you're wrong about me. I'm not a false Messiah. I am the one Messiah. I am the king. I'm your savior. And he grabbed a hold of Paul. And instead of punishing Paul, instead of, instead of putting him to death as he deserved, because remember, he was putting to death Christians, Paul was. Jesus says, I'm not going to kill you. Instead, I have a purpose for you. You are going to take my gospel to the ends of the earth. You're going to appear before kings and Jewish leaders, and you must testify to my goodness and my grace and my truth and synagogues and and pagan cities all over the place. I have a mission for you. I've grabbed a hold of you, Paul. You're mine now. And Paul says, Jesus has laid hold of me. He's grasped me. And now I am pressing on not pursuing Christians and not pursuing uh, a religious tradition. I am pressing on to lay hold of knowing Christ and knowing justification by faith and knowing holiness and knowing his suffering and knowing what it means to die to myself and knowing what it means to achieve resurrection from the dead. And I haven't reached it yet. And I am pressing on because that's why Jesus grabbed a hold of me so that I would press on for him. And again, the question before us is, are we stagnant? Are we complacent? Are we simply taking the posture that, you know, life is hard? And I know I'm a Christian because I did this thing five years ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago. And I have a, you know, I'm enjoying life. Life is good. And I've got grandkids. I've got children. I've got these goals in my business. I've got these, you know, this family and all that. And uh, so I, I, I'm a Christian. So I know that the, you know, eternal life is secure. And so now I've just got to sort of endure the hard things of life and enjoy the good things of life. And, you know, I, I'm just sort of holding on until, until I die or Jesus comes back. And, and uh, it, uh, when things are good, I'm thinking, oh, this is great. I like life. This is fun. And, and then when things get hard, I think, oh, well, I'm so thankful that I, that I have eternal life to look forward to. And, and I, can, I can survive this. I can make it through this. That's not Paul's posture at all. He's saying there is so much more to know about Christ and what it means to follow Christ and serve Christ and put off holiness and know who he is. He says, I'm pressing on hard. He says, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. This word regard means he's thinking. It's a word for, uh, it's a form of the word that we get our word logic Logic requires us to think. I don't, I don't consider myself as having laid hold of that, that prize yet, that goal. But one thing, and in the Greek this is emphatic, one thing. This is the highest objective for Paul. 
Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's the one thing. I press on. He's pursuing knowing Christ. And then he gives two phrases to kind of modify this. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. What does he mean by forgetting what lies behind? Well, he, he's kind of given us some of those things already, right? He, all the things he puts in the lost column. His Jewishness, his law keeping, everything in his religious heritage. That's all. He doesn't look back at that at all. At all. But the way this is framed, it probably means everything that he's done in the last 20 or 30 years as a Christian even. The, the imagery here is of a long-distance runner. Maybe some of you have run marathons. Uh, I haven't, but I've done a little bit of uh, you know long-distance running, you know, running you know, three, four, five miles kind of thing, which is nothing like a full marathon, of course. But I've done a little bit of that. Uh, certainly things that, that require endurance, even in a, a long hike. Like here in Colorado, uh, we have a lot of what are called 14ers. Uh, mountain ranges that are 14,000 feet high or above. And uh, if you've ever hiked a 14er, uh, especially your first time, and especially if, like me, you were originally from sea level, I'm from St. Louis, and, uh, you know, it's, it's low altitude compared to here. So you, we already set it uh, at almost 6,000 feet, and then you take a 14er, you know, you're climbing another um, another six or eight thousand feet depending on where you start uh it it requires a lot of endurance so you've done something like that i'm sure and the imagery here is he's not looking back uh, now he may stop we may it's at times you know we may stop and and look back and thank the lord for uh, what he has uh, accomplished what the strength he's given us to get to this place there there is a place for remembering past graces. But we can again become so complacent and we reach this nice view and we think, ah, I've arrived, I've made it. I'm righteous enough. I've had enough Christian experience. Uh, Life is good, I'm just going to sit right here. Paul says, no, 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 no. That is not the Christian life. He says, I am forgetting what lies behind I'm not turning around and looking. I'm not living in the past. Now, some of you need to get this. Some of you live in the past, past glory, past experiences, maybe past hardships, and you just can't stop thinking about those things. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you look back to the good old days you were with us in the study of Ecclesiastes, we we saw there the good old days were just not that good. We have false memories. We do remember some pleasures, some good experiences, and now we tend to look back at things in the past and, and filter them all through this, oh, that was just so wonderful. You know, it wasn't. Every day back then had challenges and hardships and pains and struggles don't look back at the good old days, either individually or as, as Americans or whatever nation you're in. Our hope 
Our goal is not in our past. He's like the runner who will not look back at the the people chasing him, the dangers that that lie behind him, the experiences that lie behind him. He says, no, forgetting all of that, he says, I am reaching forward. It's it's straining to, to get to the goal. He's got his eyes on the prize. He sees the finish line. Knowing Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings and holiness and the resurrection, he can see it, but he's not there yet. And he is straining with everything in his being to get there. And all that matters to him is knowing Christ fully. And that's what he's after. He's pressing on. He's pursuing it. This is very active. Now, this is challenging, isn't it? Be honest with yourself here. Have you become complacent in knowing Christ? Now, my guess is that you haven't become entirely complacent or you wouldn't be listening to this right now because that's what we're doing. We are striving to know the word of God to grow in our knowledge of Christ. That's what we're doing here. And you study the Bible. You read the Bible. You are striving to overcome sin, I hope. To the degree that you are learning more about him and then seeking to implement that knowledge to to know his sufferings, to know holiness, to be done with sin and to want to be with Christ in the resurrection, to the extent that you're doing that, you're not complacent. But there's still more ground to cover. Some of you may be 70, 80, 90 years old. Some of you may be in your 20s. And many of you, I know at least based on the the stats of those who follow me, uh, most of you are what we'd call middle-aged or getting close to middle-aged. There is so much more of Christ to know than we currently know. The well is deep. We're only sipping. We're, we have our little, our little uh, teacups and we're, we're just dipping it in. We, we're taking sips, but there, are, there is so much more of Christ to know. And again, it's not just head knowledge. It's just not experience and emotion. It is active and overcoming sin, and understanding what it means to please him, and moving forward in these things. And it's wonderful, and it's glorious, and it's beautiful, and it's hard work. Again, anything you've done, the endurance training and endurance running, it is hard work. We get into times when you just think, I can't take another step. I know some of you, you've told me you're, uh, you're pursuing a, a health ambition, whether it's uh, losing fat, uh, getting to the gym three or four times a week and working out. It's hard. It's hard to get up in the morning and do it. You, you have all the voices in your head saying, you know, you're, you're fit enough. You're healthy enough. You don't need to go to the gym today. Take a day off. No. Is there a, a place and a time for rest? Of course. Uh, for the Jews, they were required to set aside the Sabbath day for rest, right? And, and for us to, 
take days of rest. We, we need that as human beings. We need to sleep at night because we can't keep going without physical rest. And there's a time to rest from our work and a rest from our workouts and all those things. The Lord has built us such that we need that time of refreshment and recuperation. So certainly taking a day off uh, is a good thing. But you know how it is when this is not a day off. <laughs> no, my goal is to work out four days a week, to work out three days a week. My goal is to abstain from those kinds of foods. And then all the voices, oh, well, it's okay to eat that today. It's okay to miss the gym. It's okay to, to take a day off from working out and, and not doing you know my long walks or whatever. And then pretty soon that becomes a habit. It's okay to, to not read the Word of God today. Well, okay, so you take a day off from your Bible reading plan, fine. But then that becomes two days and three ways and all those things, right? We know what it's like to, to encounter opposition to our goals. And we have to be careful with that and never become complacent or stagnant in our pursuit of Christ. If the Apostle Paul said, I have not arrived yet, I am pressing on, then who are we to think that we can take a break from pursuing Christ. Friends, may we today, Monday, press on. You can't press on for yesterday. Yesterday's over. You can't press on tomorrow. Tomorrow's not here yet. But today, Monday, you can press on to know Christ more deeply. And I pray that you will. And come back tomorrow. We'll talk more about it as we see that Paul has more to say. Until then, grace and peace to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus, have a great and blessed day.